I need to, um, so I decided because the Houston Marathon was going on while we were there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like I'm making it a thing. Like I am going to, you know, start training for 5K and then I want to do a 10K by the end of the year. So I need to start getting up and running in the mornings. Yeah, for sure. Like, so, you know, I've trained for one before. I love half marathons. They're one of my favorite distances. Avery and I are talking about running a 10K together, which I think is going to be a blast. Um, was it the was it the Hog Eye that you mentioned me? Yeah, yeah, we did the 5K at the Hog Eye last year. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to do the 10K for the Hog Eye this year. And then each year we'll just keep upping it. Um, if I ever get Avery to actually do a marathon, which I doubt, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes because she's like, I don't know, 10K is the perfect distance. I think if you go any further than that, you're doing physical harm to your body. And I'm like, I think marathon runners would have a different statement to say on that, but okay. I don't know. I saw some marathon runners this weekend. I was like, you look like if these Texas winds get big enough, you're just going to float away. <laughs> well, it's wild. Like, one of my favorite marathoners is Galen Rupp. And Galen is like 145 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. He's six foot. Like, that's that's the kind of shape those guys are in, where they have no fat on their body. Mm-hmm. They are all muscle, all leg, you know, and they work out in a variety of ways. They just really put an emphasis on not carrying excess weight. And it's just wild. Yeah, I guess that's the way you have to be to run four minute miles like they do. So that's, that's yeah. nuts. Absolutely nuts. I'm just trying to like focus on not dying, trying to run a mile, let alone like the time. <laughs> no, for real. Totally get it. It's a big goal though. And it's, it's awesome. Like I said, 13.1 is probably my favorite distance, half mile or half marathon. It's a good distance. It only takes two hours out of your day. And then when you're done running, you still get to say, oh, I ran a half marathon and now I'm going to drink this beer and be proud of it. And I'm going to, you know, enjoy this medal and everything else. You know, I got a couple over there. You know, one time I just signed up for one, like didn't train for it. Nothing just signed up for, for it. By the 10th mile, my legs were gone. Like I run regularly. And so like six miles, nothing, no problem. I was actually going to be just a little bit behind my, my, um, my normal best, you know, my, or my, my personal best. And then that 10th mile hit me so hard. And I was like, I am cramping like crazy. I am, I don't know if I'm going to make this. So yeah, it was pretty rough. It was, it was pretty, pretty rough. Do you know what else is rough? What's rough, David? Uh, This is how we're going to start every show. Just like this. What else is rough is some of the upsets we saw this week across the SEC. My goodness. They were rough. You know, I think if I didn't drink as much as I did this weekend like it, it would have affected me a lot more not that I drink heavily I just don't normally drink on like a regular basis so the fact that I had a few helped me out tremendously I can understand that thought process for sure because I needed a drink after the Arkansas Vanderbilt game mainly because great first half what the heck happened in the second half occurred We'll get into that more here in a minute because we do have some more serious stuff to talk about. My name is David. Welcome to the Hoop Southbound Podcast. Hey guys, it's Maddie. And today we are going to start off with some news that came out that's not so much on the happy side of things. It actually very serious. I'm going to change my tone completely here. 
very serious stuff that we're going to be talking about here. Alabama basketball player Darius Miles was arrested on capital murder charges Sunday morning. Miles is a junior, and he is one of two men charged in a fatal shooting that took place on the Strip in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, early Sunday morning. Tuscaloosa police and University of Alabama police responded to reports of a shooting on University Boulevard at 1.45 a.m. Sunday morning. At 11.30, the victim, a 23-year-old female, died. The victim had was shot while inside a vehicle in the area of Gray Street and University Boulevard, uh, Ken, Captain Kennedy said, and the officers in a nearby UAPD police car quickly moved in to help the victim. There, are, There is a video out there where Darius Miles and one of the two men who were charged in the fatal shooting, um, they were taken in this morning. Uh, Miles has not has not seen the court since the Jacksonville State game, and I need to clarify the basketball court since the Jacksonville State ca- State game on Tuesday, December twentieth. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in this. I'm not going to speculate on what has happened, what has not happened guilty innocent all that stuff i'm I'm not going to speculate on it there's there's a whole discovery process and evidence collection process and in the legal system and that stuff needs to take place but right now i think obviously our thoughts and prayers are with the family uh maddie yeah definitely tragic news um coming out of tuscaloosa um for the victim and their family thoughts and prayers definitely going out to them as far as basketball goes um you know not to to make light of anything by just jumping straight in, but um, you know we are a basketball podcast. So thinking in that frame, I think the team um, is affected mentally uh, by Miles, uh, but he has been out due to both personal reasons and um, you know the last report we have from Alabama was due to an ankle injury. And based on that, you know, I think if these issues were present before um, he was not associated with the team, I I think it'd be kind of obvious to the rest of them. So I I think in the long run, if it's going to have any effect on Alabama basketball for the rest of the season, it's going to be more of a mental block than anything else. Yeah, no, I I don't know how Alabama's going to, the team is going to take this news, but you, you know, this is a brother in the locker room. So there's going to be some stuff there that they're going to, talk about one way or the other there's going to be things like that all you can really do is just come together as the guys who are in there in the locker room Um, but really the more important thing a hundred percent just pushing the basketball side the family the the friends of the victim very important to um to have your thoughts and prayers with them because there's i there's just nothing more tragic than this but yeah um as we talked about darius miles has been charged with capital murder and we'll keep an eye on this as it goes along. But, you know, I, I there's obviously just not a good story here in the least bit. Moving on to our next big piece of news that came out this week. Not a light week of news, but there's some controversy going on at the University of Kentucky. And we've got Big Blue Buddy from the Rup to No Good podcast talking about what the heck is going on with this article that was written by Kyle Tucker revealing a lot of controversial stuff um, between the athletic director and Coach Cal? And we welcome into the show Buddy from uh, the Rup to No Good podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty darn good. 
Um, so I'm going to ask this. It sounds like things are pretty chaotic in Kentucky right now. For those of us who are outside of Big Blue Nation, um, like the other 13 teams who may possibly listen to this podcast, can you explain what the heck is going on with that recent Kyle Tucker article? Oh, uh, yes, I can try. Uh, it's kind of a it's a loaded question, right? Long story. Yeah. Um, let's see. How far back do you want me to roll this? <laughs> um, where you think it's relevant? That's that's the best part to um, relevant. You know, readers relevant digest, probably, but relevant. <laughs> yeah, relevant probably starts back in August. Okay, I'll blow through this for you. So, long story short, basically a bunch of drama. Long story long, back in August. Well, let's see. Context before August, we have an old basketball practice facility, the Joe Craft Center, right? Right. Uh, built in 2007, I think, which isn't that long ago uh, in building years. I don't know what the conversion between building years and human years is, probably like dog years. Um, but anyways, old facility, altogether unappealing to recruits. Cal wants a new one. Uh, John Calipari, he wants a new one. Uh, he goes to our athletic director, Mitch Barnhart. Mitch is like, nah, you don't need one. Uh, Calipari disagrees, and then after asking in private for this new facility and not getting anything from Mitch, Cal kind of takes it into his own hands, and that brings us to August, okay? Now we're in the Bahamas with the Kentucky basketball team for the exhibition tour there. Uh, Cal does an interview, I think it's with Lex18, uh, and then in that interview, when he's trying to bring attention to the facility issue, Cal says two things that are pretty important for the, the Kyle Tucker article. Uh, and, and this is where it kind of branches off. But one thing that he said is that he will raise money for the basketball practice facility himself. And Kentucky has like well over a billion dollars, maybe a few billion in NBA contracts with just former players. So he says, I'll raise the money. You don't worry about it. And, and the other thing he says, which this just kind of overrode everything else. And, and this is what you've heard of, I'm sure, is that Kentucky is a basketball school, right? Right. We know this and, and portion this, of the story. Yeah. 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 This is this is the comment he made in passing immediately regretted like, you know, we got to have this. We're Kentucky. You know, we're a basketball school. We got to stay in the race with other schools. And then Mark Stoops took offense and and tweeted about it. And, you know, this is where we got. Uh, well, what happened in the in the Kyle Tucker article uh, of The Athletic uh, it is he revealed Cal wanted to apologize immediately for that comment. Mitch Barnhart, athletic director, told him to hold off. Let me take care of this. Mitch went on a press conference and kind of flamed Cal like right after this, just kind of flamed him for trying to push the facility through, basically said, if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. You can go. Um, and didn't let him apologize to Mark Stoops either, just kind of made everything worse. Uh, and, and Tucker's article also said that Cal has already raised, like at this point, and this article came out recently, right? Uh, last week, I think. Right. He's already raised $30 million for the practice facility, but Mitch is still shooting down the whole idea. Just a bombshell, like bombshell after bombshell in this article. He said that Cal and Mitch have no relationship, that Cal wants to hire more support staff, but he can't get that either. Uh, even though our, our staff is relatively small compared to, to most places and other schools. And then on top of all of this, there's this Calipari to Texas like, you know, there's rumors just swirling from a Travis Branham message board post. During most of this drama, also, we were just losing games back to back. So basically, to Kentucky fans, it's the end of the freaking world, right? It's just been crazy nonstop. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, there were a couple other things that I read when, like, the um, the condensed version of it, I guess, is the best way to put it, or a couple of bullet points on here. And um, yeah. I wanted to ask some questions 
kind of regarding, you know, a little bit more on the specifics. So part of what they were talking about was the coaches or the coaching situation. So why does Cal need more coaches who know X's and O's or more X's and O savvy? And why doesn't he already have those guys on staff? Ah, well, good question. Um, You know, there, there are two parts to that question, I guess, first, why does he need more X's and O's guys? And that one's easy because he doesn't have enough or, you know, or good enough X's and O's guys already, right? Pretty simple, <laughs> which leads to the second part of why not? Like, why does Cal not have those people on his staff already? And, and so no excuses for Cal here, but part of it is probably because his staff has been shaken up pretty well in the last couple of years. Um, John Robick, here's some, some names. John Robick, uh, who was with Cal through basically all of the 2010s, like dominating college basketball years, he split with Kentucky a couple seasons ago. We've got Kenny Payne, who was more of a, people see him as more of a culture guy, but he definitely played his part. He went to the Knicks and then to Louisville where he is now. Um, let's see, the last offseason, Jai Lucas or Jay Lucas, however you say it, he's kind of a, a younger voice on the staff. He, he ran off to, uh, to Duke. Um, so our staff has changed a lot, like pretty dramatically. And the way that things have shaken out now, we've got Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman, who are, you know, they're more known for their recruiting superpowers than anything else. Uh, we've got good old Cal himself, obviously, who, you know, same. And then we've got, uh, let's see who, oh, we, we've got Bruiser Flint. If, if someone was going to have fingers pointed at him for this problem, it might be Cal's like number two guy who's supposed to be big on X's and O's and that's Bruiser Flint. Oh, and also we added um, Tyler Ulis, former player, like two weeks ago. He's only been on the on the staff like since the beginning of the new year. So we've got great staff. We've got great staff, but clearly there's a, a deficiency somewhere, right? Like we've been we've been struggling to get where we need to be on offense, uh, on defense, and by we I, I mean Kentucky. But the important thing to me, and and this is important. This is what I want you to hear. <laughs> the the takeaway is that it doesn't really matter how it happened you know, how that we ended up lacking in the X's and O's department. The important thing is that we, we are, and that Calipari is wise enough to recognize it and is requesting to hire additional staff to keep us in the running. But Mitch Barnhart won't let him because, you know, we don't really know why. Uh, and, and this is what the, the Kyle Tucker article said. So, you know, what else can you do in that situation except realize there's a problem and try to fix it? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, that makes sense is you're asking the AD for something that you need and he's just not giving it to you. That makes that makes logical sense to me. Let's um let's turn to the practice facility here a little bit. So there's three hundred million dollars worth of pre- pledges that have been raised. So million, yes. is yeah, or 30 million. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'd read that and just totally skipped over the zero. Um, so with that money, is it just sitting there right now or is that going to have to be go to a different building if they don't build this thing? Or what's the situation with that money? Um, so I guess I'm supposed to be the expert, but I don't really know where it is. Um, Kyle says he raised or Kyle Tucker said he raised it. Um, Mitch said that it's in pledges, then it's not on hand. I don't really know why that matters. But, you know, I, I'm not really sure. But I think the the greater point is that Cal has raised the $30 million. If he says that $30 million have been pledged by his, you know, $100 million players, if it's not there physically, then he at least has that money some way. Like he's going to get it. And he wants to give it to the university, to the athletics program as a present, basically a, a going away gift. And he, he wants to do this knowing that most likely he's never going to have a single practice in the building himself, right? Like this is a legacy kind of present for the program 
in decades to come. Uh, and, and this practice facility, yeah, it's for the next era, for the new generation of basketball, like Kentucky basketball. And Mitch won't approve the planning of the facility because his excuse in the, uh, in the radio show, he came on uh, KSR, like big radio show in Kentucky the other day to kind of respond to the whole uh, Kyle Tucker article. His excuse, and this is my interpretation of his excuse also, some Kentucky fans will, will have a different view to be fair to them, but Mitch's excuse for why he wouldn't approve the facility is that it's long, it's a complicated process, it takes so many years to break ground, but you have $30 million essentially raised. I mean, it's there, or it will be there, and he's passing on it, and, and no one really knows why or what happens to the money if you don't. You know, I don't know the answer to your question. No one really does. I'd love to, though. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't want to make you out to be anything that you're not. You're you're another person <laughs> with a podcast who's very passionate, just like we are. Um, so I definitely don't want to make that out and be the wrong for way sure. here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of for us, you know, a little bit, what is the relationship between Cal and Barnhart? Do you have any idea? Because like on the radio, there's, you know, Barnhart saying one thing and then on the other side, Cal saying, or at least according to Kyle Tucker, a completely different thing. Well, I can't speak to anything firsthand. Every sign points to just bad, you know, just bad. Denying every request that Calipari makes of him, um, including accepting like a free, you know, $30 million to benefit the program. Cal having to go public with his request to try to force Mitch's hand. That's not good. And that's not unique to Cal either. Mark Stoops has had to do the same thing this season about NIL with football. So, um, yeah, Mitch's awkward interview um, with with KSR the other day, responding to the Kyle Tucker article, uh, article, and he he compared what's going on with him and Cal to like a rough patch in his and Cal's marriage. And that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad marriage or relationship or whatever. It's I just read that. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> and, and Kyle Tucker in the article himself said there's no relationship at all. So if it's supposed to be a secret that they have a bad relationship, it might be the worst kept secret of all time. Fair enough. Fair enough. So speaking about that relationship, Scott Drew came up in the article, mm -hmm. or at least at mentioned, I didn't understand exactly what the point was, but is, is Mitch's plan kind of to have Scott Drew as a replacement for Cal or is that what, what's the significance of the Scott Drew stuff? Yeah. Um, the significance, I, you know, I don't think, as far as I know, Scott Drew and Mitch Barnhart have never been in contact or anything. So I don't know if there's any like meat to that, right? And right. if they have, he'll probably be the coach at Kentucky next season and, and that's it. But there's been no chatter about that. The, the big glaring problem that you kind of, uh, you know, hinted at it is that uh, not that Scott Drew is a, is a bad coach. He's great. The problem is that if, if Kyle Tucker knows, like if he's able to confidently write that Scott Drew is the man on Mitch's mind, then Mitch Barnhart some way and somehow has had to have mentioned that at some point. And, and, and why? If you just locked yourself into a lifetime contract with John Calipari, then why and how and in what context? Why were you talking about your replacement for your current coach? Especially, you know, if he's at least on paper, he's here for years from now. And so maybe I'm reading into that too much. I'm not really sure. But it tells me that Mitch either knows something that we don't about Calipari potentially leaving or that he's just unhappy with Cal and he's already talking about replacing him, which is not a good sign. That's just not something that an, a competent athletic director should be doing. 
Yeah, especially with the Texas stuff floating around out there right now. That's definitely, you know, concerning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what do you think about this news overall um, and what's going to happen for? Do you think Cal could leave Kentucky after this year or is Barnhart going to be out the door or what's kind of the situation you think going forward? Uh, Yeah, Uh, Barnhart's probably not going anywhere. Um, If athletic directors had approval ratings like presidents and politicians i think that his would be abysmal but lucky for him he does not need fan support to keep doing his job so here we are um calipari will he be here like even next season or not question of the of the year you know um i would love to know and and there's a lot of conflicting information out there there's travis branham's like report versus what cal has said publicly but behind the scenes and and I'm no, you know, by no means am I an inside source. I'm probably a good bit more plugged in than the average Cats fan, just because I know some of the right people, which is, you know, a privilege. So I can't say much. But behind the scenes, if you heard some of the stuff I've heard, you might think it's a it's a coin toss. So, which is, you know, kind of dismal, a little a little scary for Kentucky fans. So I don't know. Um, I think Calipari will probably be back. I think, if I were betting. Um, you know, he's winding down toward retirement and logistically, it's just harder to move than to stay where he is. But at the same time, if he's going to go, you know, now's the time, like the last bit of time to do it. Any later won't make much sense at all. Um, you know, but with waning limited support from his athletic director, he might decide he can, he can do more somewhere else, you know, than with his hands uh, tied here. Um, or he'll live out the lifetime contract. Like, like he said before, you know, he said as recently as this summer that he would do that. He's going to live out the contract. So um, I don't know if coaches had approval ratings though, you know, just to, to bring that back. I think that, I think that cows would be quite a bit higher than, than most people expect. Um, I saw a Twitter poll the, the other day, and I mentioned this on the podcast. If you, if you heard it, um, uh, it was it was a poll. Basically, it just asked yes or no. Kentucky fans, do you want to have Calipari here next season? And this was before the Tennessee win, after just you know a gutting home loss to South Carolina, just and and two back to back losses. Cal has never been less liked than when this poll ran, and three thousand something votes. I think it was thirty five hundred at the end. He still had eighty six percent of people say, yeah, we want him back next season. Um, you know, part of that might be uh, to do, you know, part of that might have something to do with the incoming recruiting class. Sorry. Yep. But, um, but yeah, so, but I don't know. We'll see. All right. Yeah. I guess that is kind of how the best way to wrap it up right now, because we really all don't know. Them. We'll see. Um, buddy, mm-hmm. can you tell us where um, everybody can find you out and uh, maybe where to find your podcast? Oh yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm kind of a, a Twitter head, I guess tonight I was a talking head, but you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at big blue bud. Um, and my podcast, if you want to listen to me and uh, the fellas, we're just Kentucky fans talking about Kentucky stuff. That's at rup to no good. Yep. And those are right there in the video podcast as well. The uh, they're right there um, on his graphic and we'll bring that up one more time here so you guys can take a look at it write it down go find them it's a really good show i listened to a couple episodes here uh recently buddy i thank you so much for your time listen thank you guys so much for having me on david maddie i appreciate it so much thank you so much yeah thanks man good talking to you good talking to you yeah i think based on the information released you know about the tension between barnhart and cal i could see cal you know maybe trying to find a way out 
Um, sounds like a mix of bad blood between the administration and the coaching staff could possibly be the root of Kentucky's problem this year. I, I don't know how this comes at a worse time. You know, this article comes out and who knows what the future is now, because you already had speculation with Cal being in talks to go into Texas. Things weren't good before Saturday on after losing to South Carolina and all the stuff that's happened this season. And we've been talking about it throughout the year about all the pressure that's on Cal right now. It's really hard to understand the situation. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how anything good comes out of this. And I don't know exactly how Cal proceeds, but I, I do agree with what Buddy was saying. If Cal is going to make a move, now seems like a good time to do it because he is getting at that age where he's going to have to start thinking about his future himself. So there's going to be some things that he needs to consider. And if there, what what's going to happen next to Kentucky? Like I, I just don't know exactly what to say with this, but it's it's just crazy enough that it came out on this week with all this chaos already in place. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we could spe- sit here and speculate all day. If Cal leaves, are all the recruits going to go with him? Are they going to stay with Kentucky? It, it just opens a huge can of worms that would turn Kentucky's basketball program at a minimum, little, you know, SEC basketball upside down. Yeah, well, we're going to talk more about what happened with Kentucky this week because there were a bunch of upsets in the SEC this week. And we definitely need to talk about them because we talked about on the podcast last week, kind of toward the end of the show, we were like, man, there's just not a lot of great games on here. But it kind of feels, given the circumstances, there's going to be some upsets. And boy, were there. I mean, Kentucky lost to South Carolina in Lexington. Then Kentucky turned around and beat Tennessee and Knoxville on Saturday. Also on Saturday, Arkansas, who was in desperate need of a rebound game, could not ask for a better opponent to get than Vanderbilt after facing the best team in the conference and taking that loss to Alabama. They get Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt has other plans of their own in Nashville. Vanderbilt beats Arkansas at home, and then this one was a little bit more of a pick but, you know, it's still a ranked team going down. Florida beat Mizzou and Gainesville. Wild, wild week. Maddie, what are your thoughts on this? Man, I need a drink again. Take talking about that lineup. Like, absolutely wild. Like you said, Kentucky takes a loss at home from the worst team in the SEC in South Carolina. But like you said, turned around, beat Tennessee, uh, which I think, you know, is a big game that we need to focus on. Because of the issues, you know, we've talked about with Tennessee in their offense. Um, and, you know, it obviously showed during that game. Yeah, no, they've got some offensive issues. They've got other issues that are going on. That South Carolina game, yeah, they were an absolute mess. I don't have any – I don't know what happened. Like, how do you come out and play that bad against a team like South Carolina is beyond me. Because we just saw Texas A&M 40-piece them the other night. But, like, is what it is. Kentucky decides they're going to get right back on their on their horse. And the odd thing about that Kentucky-Tennessee game, which we're going to talk about more in a second, was the fact that all the players sat there and they said, yeah, we're going to play tough and get this game. And then they didn't have Shavar Wheeler. They didn't have some other players. They just had the guys who were there who were healthy. So just, just crazy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the first one that I think 
a lot of listeners want to want to talk about, and then we'll get to Kentucky, Tennessee here in a second. Arkansas, what the heck happened on Saturday? Maddie, I'll I'll start with you, and then I'm gonna go on my crazy spiel that I've been working out here for Razorback Hoops. Man, you know, I don't know what the heck happened Saturday. I was excited going into the half. You know, I felt like we played relatively well. Uh, it just wasn't enough, obviously. Like, I think it definitely exploited the fact that this team struggles with away games. Um, we see a very reactive team in an away atmosphere, and they they don't bode well under that pressure. And honestly, I think that after half with all of the foul issues, specifically the technicals and flagrant fouls, is where we kind of saw their downfall because the crowd was super reactive, which made the Vandy team super reactive, and Arkansas just couldn't put it together coming out of the locker room. No, there's no excuse for allowing a team to shoot so well. Like I believe they shot 75% at one point during that second Mm -hmm. half. They put up over 60 points in that second half. Arkansas's never allowed that. That has not happened this entire season. Must said he doesn't even think he has a team in his past that allowed that to happen, which it's absolutely insane looking at the numbers on this one. But to me, obviously, Arkansas has an identity issue without Nick Smith Jr. and Trevin Brazil. On Wednesday, biggest game so far of the year in Bud Walton. They lose late to Alabama after some beautiful screens that set Brandon Miller up from deep. And I, I wanted to I wanted to talk more about that Arkansas-Alabama game because it was a really, really good game. But because of what happened on Saturday, you know, it would have been forgive and forget for Arkansas if they just beat Vandy. Everyone yeah. would have moved on from the Alabama game. But it just went to an absolute mess hogs were the more physically dominated dominant team in the first half they were hitting shots something that we hadn't seen them do on a regular basis and they hit the shots for the majority of the game but there was a massive breakdown for what is one of the better three-point shooting defenses in the conference why can't the hogs just play a complete game on both sides of the ball it's a question that i just don't have an answer for and if you're simply saying that Nick Smith Jr. needs to come back, you're ignoring what the numbers are actually telling you in that game. Nick Smith Jr. does not help you win that game against Vanderbilt. He has the second worst defensive rating on the Razorbacks. He's a scorer. The, I'm not even kidding. It is the second worst. Cade has the worst. That's that's who is the, has the worst defensive rating. It's Cade and Nick Smith Jr., Nick Smith Jr. does not help you win against Vanderbilt. So there's an identity issue or something else that's going on with Arkansas to that point. And if anybody Arkansas needed on Saturday, it was Trevor Brazil. They needed Trevor Brazil, who's a much better defender. But that's not really the point, I guess, at the end of the day when we're talking about Arkansas. Because the point right now is that the Hogs are one and four in conference play and while the first couple of games weren't easy and they were on the tougher side of things where you have to go on the road game one to go play in the PMAC against a LSU team that's playing decent basketball at the time you got Alabama you got a ranked Mizzou team you got all the and you got to go on the road to play a ranked Auburn team those aren't easy ass but then you turn it immediately around to go play Vanderbilt and now you're one and four and I have some serious questions about what this team is going to be like and why certain things aren't occurring um maybe let, let me just throw a couple of these questions out there 
Why isn't Jalen Graham, who has the second highest effective field goal percentage on this team, not getting more minutes? I don't know. I mean, we saw a fantastic game from him in Alabama. Like, despite his great game and us coming away with a loss, like, that shouldn't have affected a ton in the Vanderbilt game. I think what we saw from him, he did well. So I feel like he should have been more of a contributing factor. I feel like, you know, it could possibly be something about a connection problem with him and the rest of the team. I don't know, but that's the only reason I would see him not getting as much playing time as we see him produce. I've heard rumors. I'm not going to repeat rumors, but like, you know, I don't have an answer. Like when you look at the, what's happening on the floor, like there's not a reason that he shouldn't be there from what we see in the game. Second, why isn't Joseph Pinion a bigger portion of Arkansas's offensive plan right now? Joseph Pinion has the highest offensive rating on this team, the highest net rating on this team, and he has the second highest three-point percentage on this team. You can't shoot. Wouldn't this guy be helpful right now? Like I'm seeing very small roles for Joseph Pinion. It's I, I don't know why he's not a bigger portion of this game. Any clue? I really think the only reason, um, and you know, I'm not a basketball expert. I've just been paying attention to it for most of my life, but I really think the only reason is because he does not put like the puzzle piece doesn't fit perfectly for defense and must ran runs a very high defensive system when it comes to the Razorbacks. I can understand that thought, but you have four other defenders, and as long as you can keep him out of ISO situations, I think you're going to be in a good situation if you have Joseph. You're a better team with Joseph Pinion on the floor. That's what the net. That's what net rating helps to show. You would have to look at the plus minus a little bit to completely figure that out and watch a little bit more film. But to me, Joseph Pinion needs to see a little bit more time on the floor, especially at least coming off that bench a little bit more. Arkansas had six bench points against Vanderbilt, and they all came from Joseph Pinion. Every bench point for Arkansas on Saturday came from Joseph Pinion. I'm just saying things right now. I, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know better than Musk because I don't. I don't. He, he's a better basketball coach than I'll ever be. I coach sixth grade basketball. The man coach coached the NBA. We're in different weight classes. I completely understand that. But in all honesty, I, I just have these questions that I, I just really want answers to them because – no offense to the press corps or anything like that. They're, he's not given this inf this information, you know, in his press conferences or anything like that. So it's it's really one of these things that I want to know because this is a good Razorback team that's not winning basketball games right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, I had a lot of time to uh, think with all my driving this weekend, and I like the only thing I can see it boiling out boiling down to is the fact that we saw a hot hog team in the beginning of the season, non conference play. We lost Brazil. So then we start building our offensive game around Nick Smith, who at the moment was back in. When he went back out, I think we're still seeing that the team and the staff hasn't learned how to adjust from the Brazil to Smith to where we are now changes. And I think that's really caused some confusion on the court and where these issues are stemming from. And then especially dipping into the fact that we're such a young team that doesn't know how to play away games yet. That's makes sense. I understand the young team away game situation. Totally understand that building chemistry though. You took these guys to Europe. You took them through the entire non-conference schedule. You played a lot of light teams. 
and you had the chance to mix them in and out. You blew out San Jose State, and everybody on the team got a chance to get on the scoreboard in that game. To me right now, it's a matter of figuring out who wants to be on the court now that you have these two guys who are out. Find out who wants to be on the court. Find out who wants to go to another level when it matters, and find out who wants to be a Razorback. And I know that sounds like a Homer thing because, you know, that's no secret. Me and you were, I live in Fayetteville. I, you know, went to school here. I get it. I know I sound like a Homer right now, but like to me, Anthony Black, and I know he's becoming a big time villain in the SEC, but that kid's a Razorback. He's nasty. Oh, he yeah. chirps. He plays hard. He doesn't shy away from contact. And I know, I know this is a generational thing because I'm kind of a younger fan, but I want my team to play like the old school Detroit Pistons or a 1980s Big East basketball team. I don't give a darn about like, I, I don't know, old, the older idea of what sportsmanship is. You shake hands at the end of the game. I want you to look like you're playing on jo John Thompson's Georgetown Hoyas. That's what I want. I want that yeah. team. Yeah. My mom was reading an article today as we were driving and she asked me, she was like, what are they talking about? They said something about the Razorbacks being classless. And I was like, are they seriously like, did they write a whole article because Anthony Black walked to the free throw line doing the like, crybaby face? <laughs> like that was hilarious. And I don't like, that's so dumb. I don't understand what, what people are mad about. You know, the best age of basketball came from the Big East in the 1980s. Like, I'm not even playing. That was good ball. And it's not just because, you know, I know people are going to be like, that was a good ball. It was all physical and crazy like that. Those were tough guys playing basketball. And yeah. they really, like, encapsulated, like, what their culture on the court and stuff like that. Anthony Black making a little boohoo face. That and that was nothing compared to what you saw in the 80s. So if you're like, oh man, back in my day, back in your day, nothing. Those guys were worse. Like you, you mm -mm. no, no, you're wrong. And I can show you the highlights and I can show you Earl the Pearl uh, <laughs> and, and freaking Patrick Ewing getting into it on the court back in college, man. Like there's some stuff. And yeah, you're thinking Pearl Washington, Patrick Ewing, Pearl Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no pearl started the fight too and it's good yeah. stuff <laughs> oh my goodness all right let's and, you know i don't know if it was just anthony black i didn't read the article but you know they could have been pointing fingers at kamani also but like yeah kamani's an instigator we know that by now he's been with the team for multiple years like and he makes it fun he makes the game more aggressive and i feel like it's something that arkansas needs you know what? There's there's hero, there's heroes and villains in every story. I feel like out there, but here's the crazy thing. A lot of times the villains win in sports. Like I mentioned, John Thompson's Georgetown Hoyas. Mm -hmm. I could also talk about the Fab Five in Michigan. They never won a title, but they were good and they won a lot of basketball games. So you can make it heroes and villains all you want to, but like the end of the day, sometimes somebody just has to be the bad guy, and I'm really okay if that's my team. So, like, if that's the attitude they're going to be putting on the court, I'm okay with it. Yeah. it. At the end of the day, what they need to figure out, if that's going to be part of their culture, they got to make sure that carries over to winning. You know, so that's that's really what, at this point what I feel like it needs to be. And you know what? You're a big enough and physically talented enough team to play that style of basketball if you're in Arkansas. So I, that's my thoughts right now. Go put Jalen Graham out there and let, let Anthony Black cause some issues because you're going to be the villain. Be the villain, kid. Yep, I'm all in. <laughs> let's talk Kentucky and Tennessee kind of the shocker that started the whole day of shockers so 
Kentucky's season went from over to losing their head coach to pulling off a major road uh, victory to keep their season alive. We just talked to a buddy earlier about what's going on, and this all has occurred within a four to five day span. You know what I just thought of earlier today, David? What? What's that? Remember last week we were previewing Kentucky and Tennessee, and you said every time I pick Kentucky to win, they lose. I'm picking Tennessee. I think your reverse juju worked. Like, you know what? I even put a bet on that game, and I had Tennessee to cover. <laughs> Clearly, they did not cover in Knoxville on Saturday. Yeah, cats, cats came out and they did a really, really good job. Got a massive, massive win. One in which that they didn't have Wheeler and a lot of other guys were out from their lineup. So I don't know how that worked, but those guys played well enough together to get that win. CJ Frederick played a hell of a ball game. Uh loved every minute of watching him play. What were, did you get a chance to catch this one, Maddie? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it in and out. You know, Kentucky absolutely shocked me in this win. I think this is the point we see Oscar Sheboy, CJ Frederick, Antonio Reeves, some of the veteran players on the team. Um, you know, they showed us they were tired of being dogged on and stepped up for this game. You know, they really worked that defense and shut Tennessee down from three. Still solid percent from two, but not enough to come out with a win. Um, Vescovy couldn't pull up in this game like he has been for the rest of the season. Um, despite having 13 points and four steals, I think Kentucky just really wanted this one. Yeah, for sure. Totally get it. Cats hit two more hit two more threes in the Vols, and they also got your favorite statistic: fifteen more trips to the free throw line than Tennessee, and they converted those at eighty eight percent, which is much better than what they had been doing all season. And they did that on the road. That's impressive. That's part of it. Now I'd mentioned those free throws for Tennessee. I think this is a problem now because they have a little bit of an issue getting to the line on a consistent basis. You know, the same thing happened in that game against Arizona where they could not get to the line in the first half ever. They are actually, when you look at it, the Vols are ranked seventh in the SEC in free throws made, and they're also seventh in free throws attempted. They're very mediocre about actually getting to the free throw line. So you can keep them off the line all you want to, which is just nuts. And then they only convert those at 70%. Uh, or a little bit better than 70%. So when they're getting to the line, they're converting seven out of 10 shots, but that's still right in the middle of the pack with the SEC. So right now, free throws, actually not making free throws, just not getting free throws is an issue for the Vols in my mind. Yeah, I could see that. Um, You know, like we've talked about before, Tennessee offensively is just not there to match up with their defense, net rating or not, going off the eye test on this one. Uh, But... I mean, I think Tennessee, you know, they obviously have some stuff they need to work on despite being one of the top teams in in the nation right now. You know, all good teams, they have this thing that's just their Achilles heel. For Alabama, it's on-ball defense. For Tennessee, it's getting to the free-throw line. What takes a good team from good to great, in my opinion – is how you fix that issue and you close that gap to where it's no longer a problem. And that's what Alabama has started to do with their turnovers and their on-ball defense is that they've steadily improved over the season. This is the thing that Tennessee needs to figure out how to do is to get more contact when they're driving to the basket to get more trips to the free throw line. That'll be really, really helpful. And that'll that's what will take this from a good Tennessee team 
to a great Tennessee team. And I think it's going to make for some interesting basketball down the stretch. By the way, a team that is playing good basketball right now. Also, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Texas A&M Aggies, we have been ignoring, and we've got to talk about one of the two undefeated teams in SEC play, the Texas A&M Aggies. Maddie, what the heck? I mean, we talked so much in the beginning of the season about how bad A&M was. They obviously came back with a vengeance, proved us wrong in conference play. They're 3-0 and right now. You know, shocking wins over Mizzou and LSU both. Um, second in the SEC. It's absolutely wild. Yeah. They're only half game behind Alabama just because they haven't played an extra game. And I was very surprised about how Buzz has turned this team around from a team that was losing to mid-majors out there in South Carolina during their uh, their tournament. They lost to Murray State. They lost to Colorado. They didn't look – I know Colorado's not a mid-major, but, like, that wasn't a very good Colorado team. They were losing game after game that you were – they lost to Boise State. They've had problems, and all of a sudden we get to conference play and they just start playing great. The Aggies, you know, they they picked up a win against top 25 Mizzou. They blew out South Carolina on the road on Saturday. I mean, beat the tar out of them. And I I have not seen AM show up in anyone's bracket yet. Yeah. But they, I mean, you know, SC, one of the worst teams in the conference, but winning by over 40 points is something that obviously everyone should start paying attention to. I think if things keep going the way they do, we might have a Wade Taylor poster back here. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's leading this team to have a solid resume, and I feel like he's putting them in a good spot to move up in the SEC for the rest of the conference. Absolutely. And like I said about that bracketology comment, I haven't seen him in a bracket yet, but like if this keeps going, if they can keep getting wins and they can pull up some pull off some upsets along the way, I think they're going to end up on the bubble with like Georgia because like Georgia and Texas A&M are playing very similar. Like Georgia has been consistently getting better. Texas A&M has shot out of a cannon um, right here at the beginning of the year to start SEC play. So it's just nuts. They're playing good. It's really good basketball. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like it's just, wow. I mean, just for real, it's just, it's really impressive. And Props to them. Now, I know they've played a weaker schedule. We'll see how they do against the big boys later on. I will be seeing them when they come to Bud Walton later this season. I'll get a really uh, up-close and personal look at how Buzz is coaching that team. But we'll see how it goes. And by the way, I saw some Alabama fans talking about the road to the SEC title grows through Tuscaloosa. Technically, both Alabama and Texas A&M are undefeated. And Texas A&M and Alabama only meet once, and that's a college station. The road to the SEC currently runs through College Station. Yeah. I guess we'll, we'll see, see how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, great basketball from Texas A&M. We'll we'll see how this goes later in the season. Hey, maybe they'll keep it up. Um, but right now, we got to talk some about the biggest games that are upcoming this week. We've got a really good interview We're talking with um, with Case from the Mizzou Pod. Woodswater and Mizzou pod. And we're either going to be talking a little bit about Alabama coming to Mizzou, Arkansas coming to Mizzou big week in Columbia this week. This week's interview is brought to you by SeatGeek. Right now you can get tickets for the Mizzou Arkansas game as low as 20 bucks. And for the Alabama Mizzou game, as low as $65. Maddie, you know what I love about SeatGeek? What's that, David? Uh, okay. So 
how many apps have you used where it's like $20 for a ticket, right? And mm -hmm. the next thing you know, when you're checking out, like all of a sudden your tickets are like so much more than what you expected to pay. Oh, I've got at least three on my phone right now. I'm like, ooh, a $40 ticket. And then I go, it's like, your total is going to be 120 bucks. Absolutely. And me? that's exactly, that's what drives me absolutely not. And you know, on SeatGeek's app, they have like this really cool thing to where you can put fees included. And that they'll actually give you a better price, you know, not a better price, but they'll tell you how much you're actually going to pay before you get right to the checkout point. And you're surprised right at the end. I really like that feature. I don't know about you, but like, that's a, that's kind of a nice, nice little deal. Yeah. I mean, I'd definitely rather know upfront what I'm about to spend rather than guessing. Like, it's kind of like tax at a store, like, okay, so around in my head trying to figure it out, but yeah, for yeah. sure. So do you remember when all that Ticketmaster stuff was going on with Taylor Swift? Oh, it's insane. I'm so scared about um, Beyonce going on tour because I'm terrified about what I'm going to have to pay. So like my wife, you know, Avery, your sorority sister, naturally, oh, yeah. you know my wife. Um, so she got her Taylor tickets on SeatGeek, believe it or not, instead of Ticketmaster. Yep. I'm going to have to do that for Beyonce, I think. Yeah. Because I know Ticketmaster is going to screw it up. Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, you can do that depending on what venue. So no issues. They got stuff like that. So she got her tickets there and we're going to go see Taylor or she's going to go see Taylor. You know, my feelings on Taylor Swift, but you know, she's going to go see Taylor Swift in Vegas while we, uh, while we do our trip to Vegas uh, up in March. So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, right Circa, now do some sports betting. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like, well, yeah, that's exactly what me and Jay are going to be doing. So, you know, Hey, maybe we'll use geeks to see a show or something like that. while we're there, because right now you can get $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's like a free ticket. So like take a date to a concert, Take your boyfriend, girlfriend to a game. Too easy. No sweat. All you have to do is use the pro promo code VSN. Again, that promo code is VSN. And we welcome into the show Case from the Mizzou pod or the Woods, Waters, and Mizzou podcast. I know you guys are looking at a name change right now, but how are you doing today, man? Very good. Very good. How are you guys? Oh, doing awesome. Ready to talk some ball today for sure. And I'm sure you guys are pretty excited there in Missouri. You guys got a big week coming up. Big week for sure. I uh, need to rebound a little bit. We were kind of hoping to have a at least split A and M in Florida, but uh, we're gonna roll on here and need to change things up and get a little more momentum going. All right. So it was a really you guys had some tough losses this week for the Tigers. How how do you think this team bounces back this week? So I think this team bounces back this week by uh, getting back to what we do well, and that's running the floor fast, getting out in transition, and getting turnovers. So the way the Dennis Gate system works with the players currently in place is we, uh, you know, get steals, get on the floor, get quick baskets. That requires two things. Uh, obviously getting a turnover and then converting on those chances in the court. And I don't know if you saw the stats from yesterday's Florida game, but we shot in like abysmal, I believe, 33%. Um, we missed three-pointers, which were one of the better three-pointing shooting schools in the SEC, not yesterday. And we make a lot of shots around the rim and we missed uh, multiple layups. So that is a recipe for disaster. Um, Texas A&M just sort of the same. They got hot when we got cold uh, and then they took the lead and credit to Buzz and his staff and his team. They put, they put their foot on our throat and then let's get back. We got within four. They called a timeout and got on a great run all over again. So we've got to play our game. We can't get out of our game. That's how that's how we bounce back this week. All right, so let's talk about the first game the Tigers have this week, and that's Arkansas. 
What do you think went wrong in round one in Bud Walton? Oh, man, I know this is going to be the topic all game for my all day for my Tigers, but rebounding. Uh, even when we forced you guys into tough shots and, you know, you weren't able to make them, you were right there for the offensive rebound every time. And, again, you got to get the rebound and you get all that back down the court. Um, I thought we shot pretty well versus you guys. Uh, I thought we made most of our, you know, free throw opportunities. But when we're giving a team two, three chances every time on offense to get the ball back, uh, you can't win like that. And, uh, you know, I think uh, you guys are a very good team, even missing two of your star players. I think that kind of helps bring you, bring you to a level with us. But, um, yeah, we got to get the ball. we got to get the ball right. So, hopefully we can pull that, do a little more of that in uh, Columbia. Yeah, so you talked a lot about rebounding, um, and that's going to be a big factor, I think, in this game for, for both, both sides of the ball, for Arkansas and Mizzou. Um, do you think that's going to be where this game is going to be decided, or do you think there's – different attributes um that are going to impact this game a lot very well could be uh that's very well could be i think the way we get around that is uh steals uh we're a high steel team if we can get just a ton of uh turnovers that kind of makes up for our lack of rebounding that's how we beat illinois and kentucky um but it's not like must and his sap doesn't know that so you know they're obviously going to play uh with that in their back pocket um, so yeah, if, if we can get a turnover and get in the fast break, I know that's, that, that's the story of Mizzou essentially though. Uh, that's how we go around that. If not, it's going to be another rough day in the office like it was for A&M. Yeah. So who do you think is going to be the player that the Arkansas team needs to watch, um, on the Tigers for this game? Uh, the easy answer is always going to be Kobe Brown. He's by far and away our best player, but there are some other interesting questions or players on there. Uh, Noah Carter is a guy who the game after the Arkansas debacle ball against Vandy came out of nowhere as being a rebounding threat. Uh, I think he had like five or six in that game. That's not usually a big rebounder for us. If you can bring that attitude back, uh, I think that is going to be big for us. Um, he also is kind of guy whose rebounds gets fouled. He traditionally shoots a pretty high clip from free throw. He struggled a little bit in Florida, but I think uh, when he gets the ball in his hands in those latent situations, he usually makes well on those. Um, so I look out for Noah Carter as well. All right, so let's talk about the next game that's happening on Saturday. Alabama, you know, they look like they're playing on an elite level. Do you think the Tigers have a chance in this game? You know, I know home court means something, but is this more of the hope and the prayer method for Saturday afternoon? I mean, logically, yes, yeah, hope and prayer method. Uh, but I've been a Tigers fan for a long time, and, you know, I've watched a lot of basketball, Big 12 or SEC. And I, I know anything can happen. Anything can happen on that court on a Saturday afternoon. So uh, it's it's kind of like, um, oh man, who am I trying to think of? Anyways, I I've seen us pull some upsets at a uh, at Missouri Arena a few times. So and you know what? We upset Alabama last year. Alabama wasn't as good as they were last year, but we were way worse than we were now last year. So I'll yeah. Am I gonna say I think we're gonna win? No, but I'll, I'll hold some faith out for the Tigers. Fair enough. I mean, like last year, Auburn was the number one team in the nation. They got almost beat by Georgia at home, and then they got beat by Arkansas immediately following in Bud Walton. So, I mean, there's always that chance. And I believe you guys beat them a pretty good Alabama team last year as well, did you not? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, that was one of the few big spots of the team last year. That's what I'm saying. Uh, line them up. We'll see what happens. But that's also SEC basketball. Uh, Vandy's a good team. They took us tighter than I thought we should, and then they beat Arkansas last week. So, yep, but I, they, in all fairness, I – yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't have on to talk lot. about it. It still hurts. <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't blame you. I, I totally get it. Um, this whole week's been pain for me. But 
I after watching Vandy live a couple Saturdays ago, I was like, this team's not as bad as people are making them out to be. This is a Stackhouse is kind of building something here. So they're they're playing a lot better, and also you know they they kept Tennessee pretty close as well. But let, let's get back on topic here, otherwise we can just talk basketball Sorry. all day, man. All right, so Alabama plays with one of the fastest or plays the fastest pace in the league. I know Mizzou is fast, but do you think they'll want to slow the game down, or do you think they're going to try to run with Alabama? I think a points gates will try and slow it down. That being said, I personally think is just try to get in a track meet and see what happens. Just because I've not seen us run the half court very well very often. Uh, we have against certain opponents, but uh, brass tacks, when we were running, you know, transition game, fast game versus Arkansas and Florida, we were leading. As soon as they put us in the half court games, it all fell apart. So while I agree, they're better at it than us by a lot, probably. I think our only chance is to get in that game with them and just try and track me to that. Yeah, so we've talked about it time and time again um, this season so far in our podcast, but the Tide have some elite freshmen, um, you know, names like Noah Clowney and Brandon Miller. How's Mizzou going to game plan for them, or how do you think they're going to? Yeah, so look at those guys' stat lines. Like, one's averaging like eight rebounds a game, the other one's averaging double-figure points a game. That's ridiculous, right? No, um, how do you game plan for those guys? I think – Similar to what we did uh, versus Oscar in Kentucky is at first you try and take one of them out and then you see what the rest of the team is doing and maybe let him get, let them get theirs and fight the rest of the team. That's going to be harder. Alabama's got two studs, not just one. Um, so I, th- I, I think your best bet is to try and just stop them, put the whole team on them and make someone else beat you. That being said, I'm sure someone else will beat us by doing that. But uh, I, th- I think that's got to be your game plan, right, is don't let them beat you. It's a fair enough assumption there. And then, yeah, Arkansas found out that guy, if you shot, if you shut down Brandon Miller, the next guy who steps up happens to be Mark Sears. So, yeah, because he went from 26 <laughs> as I yeah, watched. They're a really good roster. <laughs> it's, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to figure out, right? That's why I'm not a basketball coach. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good basketball team, and they play a smart, smart style of basketball. So, I mean, yeah. Sure they do. Yeah. All right. So here's my dumb question. As as Skeeter could tell you, I always ask a dumb question at the end of every every interview. So if Mizzou just so happened to win both these games this week, how are you going to celebrate? Uh, I think over my shoulder, there's three bottles of bourbon back there, and I'll just clear them all out. And there's there's three <laughs> more here. Uh, I've got a lot of bourbon in my house, and we'll just see how much we can get through. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what kind of shenanigans that gets me into. I, I was I was waiting for you to say something like rip my shirt off, but like yeah, no, three bottles of bourbon, that that stuff's gonna happen anyway. Like it's it's coming. Right? <laughs> Well, happy drinking is the best drinking. I mean, that is exactly. a lot better than the alternative. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. All right Case, um, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at, where they can find your podcast, where they can find you out on Twitter, everything like that. Definitely. So my personal, look at me on Twitter. Uh, it's Case H underscore red zone. Um, for the podcast, we're at Mizzou pod, M-I-Z-Z-O-U-P-O-D. Woodswater Mizzou is the name of the show. Uh, right now, we're on Spotify, Anchor, and um, Google. But soon, as you mentioned, we kind of hooked up with the Variety Sports and the, uh, the Sunboy Network. We are going to be on everything. So come real soon. You'll find us everywhere. But yeah, look us up there. Look at some shows. Um, maybe if you're not a Mizzou fan, you just want to catch up on some Mizzou news. And you want to also hear maybe something about fishing and hunting, because that's kind of our angle. Uh, check us out. 
just, it's just three buddies hanging out, talking sports, talking hunting. It's a good time. Yeah, really good show. Really good show. They have a lot of fun on there. We've met all three of them now. They're all good guys, uh, except when Skeeter is going completely, you know, nuts on your team. So, <laughs> no, they're all great people. And Skeeter's a really guy, good guy, too. Thank you so much for coming on today, Case. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. Uh, again, I want to thank Case for coming on the show. Always good to have, you know, someone like that come on. A little bit of a homer perspective. Guys who are also, you know, closer to the team watch a little bit more than we do. We get to watch when we can. That's the that's the weird thing about this show. But, you know, we try to bring perspectives in from everybody. Speaking of perspectives, I know that me and you have two different perspectives on this next game. Auburn heading to Baton Rouge to play LSU this week. They're still scraping LSU's body off the court in Coleman right now. I just want everybody to know that they hadn't seen you hadn't seen Tigers abused like that since I watched Tiger King during the pandemic. Like, oh my gosh. Maddie, what are your thoughts on LSU and Auburn this week? So, you know, you mentioned the fact that LSU is still pretty downtrodden from that Alabama game. <laughs> That's putting it nicely. I think we see LSU come out on top in this matchup solely based on the fact that they are coming off an extremely embarrassing loss against Alabama. Like, I think we see LSU trying to build back their reputation and it's coming at home. So I feel like that gives them a fantastic advantage. And it's one of those situations, you know, I feel like teams that see this, you know, Auburn's looking at this LSU team, like they just got their asses absolutely handed to them. PG, PG 13. See their butts absolutely handed to them. So <laughs> they come in with an inflated ego, like, okay, well, we're going to run away with this LSU team. So I feel like it's one of those Auburn's not going to, like, they're going to prepare, but they're not going to prepare as much as they probably would have if LSU kept close competition with Alabama. So you're saying that the fact that LSU, a little bit upset about the results that happened, you know, over the uh, the weekend, so to speak. Um, we just, whew, that was a beating. They've lost four games in a row. I, I'm just going to say, where I think this game is going to be decided is on the defensive end of this one. Auburn has a much better defense than LSU has. Now, those numbers might be a little bit inflated because Brendan Miller just went Super Saiyan on everyone and just blew out LSU this week. But I expect that Auburn has a little bit better defense. I'm going to give Auburn the edge in this game. I just, that's the way I see it. To me, their offenses are fairly comparable, but I think defense travels, and I think Auburn comes in and takes care of business against LSU, who's either not in wounded animal mode right now or things are headed in that direction. Or, you know what, this is a first-year team. You just ne I don't have a lot of faith in first-year teams bouncing back as well as others. But, you know, I know you have plenty of disagreement in that. I do. I I don't know. I think it's part true, part partly due to the fact that Auburn is on my list. Like I'm not an Auburn fan whatsoever. So I think it's easier to pick them to come away with the loss. I, I can understand that KJ Williams is going to be a big factor. Uh, he's probably going to be paired up with Johnny broom. That's a matchup that I can't wait to see, see how they move him around the court and somewhat KJ Williams is a guy who could score pretty much anywhere. So I I'm interested in this game. 
I think that's going to be LSU's best chance for the week because they have another top 25 team who's going to be paying them a visit in Baton Rouge. Very similar situation with Tennessee coming to town. LSU doesn't have the firepower to keep up with the false defense. Um, I think L- I'm not a big fan of the Vols offense. Obviously, as we talked earlier, they don't do a really good job getting the free throw line. Tennessee's better than LSU. Period. They just are. And I also, you know, an experienced team like this, I believe will get in wounded animal mode after that Kentucky game. And they're going to want to restart things a little bit and, you know, reassert themselves in this league. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Auburn has a couple pieces in play that can make things difficult for LSU. I think Tennessee has too many pieces for LSU to keep up with in this yeah. game. And and I see, you know, Tennessee, I don't know if they're going to run away with the game like Alabama did with LSU, but I think we definitely see Tennessee being out or LSU being outmatched against Tennessee here. Wouldn't surprise me if LSU just gets another beating this weekend. Um, that's, that's my thoughts. I can show you the numbers if you want to see them, but <laughs> Tennessee best net rating in the sec for a reason. They're still the number two team in the net. Good team. They got a great defense and there is no argument about that. I, I like the Tennessee. I like Tennessee's chances here quite a bit. All right. So we've, we've said it once. We said it twice. I'm sure I'm saying it twice now. Team we've been ignoring Texas A&M. They're undefeated in conference play, and they've got the Florida Gators coming to College Station this weekend. Yeah, I think we see A&M go off this in this game. I feel like Colin Castleton has been slightly underwhelming, in my opinion, for as much hype as everyone gives him when Florida comes up in conversation. Um, as we've mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier, if Wade Taylor the fourth keeps doing Wade Taylor things like there might be a poster of him up here once I get my basketball set up all together. So I, I think we see him have a great game. Um, feel like, you know, the we're awaking the sleeping bear with him as he's just gotten better throughout the season. I like Wade Taylor's game a lot. You know, you're talking about a guy who puts up 15, 15.5 or 15.6 points per game, a guy who can get out there and make almost four assists a game. Really, really good basketball player. To me, he's the guard version of what Florida has in Castleton. I mean, easy, easy stuff here. Castleton, 15 points, 7.8 rebounds a game, and he gets a couple on the offensive end as well. Where I think this game is really going to be decided is just on a home court situation. The fact is, is that Florida just got done with a huge home win against Missouri to help their case a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if Florida carries over a little bit of momentum and Texas A&M goes to sleep a little bit because Texas A&M is currently on. They've won five out of their last five games. And Florida, they've won three in a row. They're starting to get going with their momentum. But after you put an absolute beat down on a team like South Carolina, you might be a little bit full of yourselves. To me, I, I think the Gators have a really good chance to come in and snap this uh, – this Aggie six game winning streak is what it's up to now. I don't know. Maybe I'm just rooting for an underdog here, but, but I would like to see A&M take this one. You'd like to see A&M take this one. I would. Well, I, I think whoever wins this game is going to have a chance to start getting back in the bubble conversation, because like, to me, this is a catalyst point game. 
And last year, I remember when I started the account last year, I was keeping up with it on the bracketology side of things. And we get into the SEC tournament and here's Florida right here, like just outside the bubble. Actually, here's Florida just outside the bubble and got a chance to get in. A lot of people have them in as a 12 seed or 11 seed into the tournament. And then Florida loses in the SEC tournament and Texas A&M jumps them. Like one of these teams are going to be back in that position again, where they're going to be, they're going to be having a chance to make the tournament. And a head-to-head matchup win is always important to me. I think Todd Golden's point that he made to Castleton when he told him, he's like, do you want your last memory as a Florida Gator to be in the regular season? I think that's going to play home a little bit because this, this is an important game for Florida to win if they want to make some memories in the NIT or the NCAA tournament. I think this is where Florida needs to show up and show out. I guess we'll see this week. Yeah, we'll definitely see this week. Buzz, by the way, when it comes to making the tournament, you're four. Everybody says give give Buzz four years, he'll make you the tournament. Six game in a row. Maybe it's starting to make me a believer. I, I don't know. Things are always interesting. Things are always close. The SEC got a lot of ton, ton of fun games. There's a lot of games we didn't even mention this week, but like, you know, Arkansas is gonna have Ole Miss at home. If they lose to Mizzou, that's gonna be a crucial, crucial game. And that'll be one that Bud Walton might have to just get them back on their feet for. Can't imagine the Hogs starting one and five. That that would just be a, a heartbreaker if Arkansas is in that scenario. But like that could be become a very crucial game for Arkansas um, against a very not good Ole Miss team at home. So like that's gonna be that's gonna be one that needs to be paid attention to a little bit, I think. Some other games this week, you know, Georgia's playing Kentucky. That's gonna be a big one. Georgia, Mike White playing really good basketball right now, and they're hunting a bubble. So you got any other games that maybe be on your mind that we need to kind of check in on? I mean, I think it, you know, we'll definitely be paying attention to that Arkansas Mizzou game just for the sole fact that we're Arkansas fans. But I think um, another one that we need to look at is Ole Miss, South Carolina. Not going to be a fun one, but again, is this the college, the- someone call the college basketball sicko committee. Maddie is on board now. She's on board with that basketball. No, I was just going to say we're we're seeing the the fight between some of the last place teams on a regular basis. Vandy won the first <laughs> round of this tournament. Ole Miss, you're up. Are you the worst team in the SEC or is it South Carolina? Whoo, that's going to be fun. If you want, yeah, some and then we play- have. Oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, I was going to say on uh, on Tuesday we have uh, Tennessee, Mississippi State. Also, does Tennessee come back and redeem themselves after this Kentucky game, or is Mississippi State? try and prove that they are they are here to play well that game is in Starkville and I do think that Mississippi State has a little bit of pride on the line but again game between two really good defenses but the team at the offense I think ultimately wins that one out Tennessee got a little bit more offense to me plus like I mentioned wounded animal mode is a thing and I I do think that Tennessee unfortunately is if if Tennessee had beaten Kentucky I would think that the Mississippi state had a chance for an upset. Mm. Now I don't think that because like sometimes you throw numbers out the window and you go, that's the good team. That's the bad team. Good team just took a bad loss. They're going to come out and they're going to have a little bit of energy about them. Now we could be wrong because we saw what happened with Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Maybe, 
maybe Arkansas bounces back on that Mizzou game. We'll see what happens in that one. Some good basketball that you might need to check out in the SEC women's side. Definitely go check out We Back, we back Pat. If you open up the ESPN app so you can see all those games that are listed on that one. And that those, those are made to help raise money for the uh, Pat Summit Foundation. Really good cause. Definitely go check those games out, man. You're going to get some good basketball out of those as well. And that'll be going on for the next two weeks. Yeah, I think we'll probably talk more about it next week, but it'll be fun basketball to watch for sure. And for a fantastic cause, you know, Pat Summit, absolute legend uh, when it comes to SEC women's basketball. Uh, she was probably the first coach that I actually knew the name of. That yeah, wasn't Pat Summit, big deal. Coach. I mean, that's actually one of the books that you're going to show up. Like I've got books here right now that I've been like mm-hmm. collecting here for the bookshelf and whatnot in the set. Now that we're doing video, like I've got this one here, which is about the, uh, about Jim, Jim, Jimmy V. Yeah. Everybody knows Jimmy, v, Jimmy yeah. V, but some of the controversy that happened at North Carolina state found this one out there. It's called personal foul. There's actually a really good book. I need to go pick up at the Dixon street bookstore that actually Pat summit wrote. Um, so I need to go pick that one up here pretty soon. I found that one while I was, going through all the basketball books to go uh, build the set here. You know, that's, that's probably going to be added to the collection here pretty soon. Uh, Pat summit. I'm just saying what a, what a key front for like women in general, because she has a court named after her. How many courts can you name in the, in this conference that are named after an SEC women's basketball coach? Not many. Just that one. <laughs> but TBA that's summit court, baby. And that, that belongs to her. And yeah, that's really good stuff. She's a name I've known for a long, long time. Yeah, I remember watching the Final Four when Arkansas and Tennessee were both in the Final Four uh, for NCAA women's. Big name, big name, good cause, good stuff. It's going to be a fun weekend or a fun week, couple of weeks for the uh, We Back Pat stuff. Um, Before we get out of here, we do have one more thing that we need to discuss. As I mentioned, I was out here buying these books and all this stuff. So, uh, Maddie, you know I've been trying to update my man cave here lately. Yeah, for sure. So trying to get things a little bit classier, you know, piece here, peach there, you know, um, stuff that matches my age a little bit, you know, I come a long distance since my days of, you know, decorating my room with plastic razorback, you know, street signs and uh, cowboys fat heads, you might say. Well, I tell you what, there's a site out there called Row One Brand, and they got some really, really good stuff. Have you, have you checked them out before? I have not. I'm telling you, it's it's a good it's a good site to go check out. They got some dope stuff out there. I found an old school Hogs versus Texas canvas that's made like out of like a ticket, like it looks like a ticket stub, like for going to watch a game in Little Rock. Very cool stuff. Um, it, it's kind of like vintage, but like not vintage. They also got like watches and other things like that. So like whether if you're trying to update your man cave like me, or you just want to you know make your bachelor's pad a little bit classier, but keeping you know keeping it you. I'm just saying, if you're a dude and he's single right now and you brought a lady back to your place, do you want her to think that she's going to a 12-year-old boy's place? Or do you just want her to know that, you know, like, I'm a sports fan, but, you know, like, I kind of keep it somewhat sophisticated. That's that's this brand stuff on there. And also, if you know, we know we, we have women who listen to this podcast. If you want to buy your, you know, some gifts or something like that, it's a really good place on there as well they also have like watches t-shirts apparel all retro really cool stuff and right now they they will give you 15 percent off any item in the art gallery you just got to use the promo code vsp15 that's vsp15 i'm surreal though that stuff is really really cool i'll send it to you later maddie 
Yeah, I definitely need to, you know, kind of trying to update uh, my setup here for when we do our Zoom calls and then the spare room literally got my basketball goal. It was a lamp, but I need the lighting updated um, and my golf net in here. So I, I'm going to have to check it out for sure. What You know what? I need to hit them up and be like, yo, we're. I, I love the 15% off, but like, why don't we show some people some stuff since we do video podcasts? Maddie's got a blank wall that she's using right now. Send us like a new item that's in the art gallery so to show them the cool stuff here. that's out there. Yeah, no, really cool stuff. So like, yeah, we'll sit, we'll put a link in the bio on the YouTube page. You guys can go check it out. It's a really good site. I really do recommend it. And the stuff was not that expensive. Like in all honesty, if you're looking for a piece here, piece there kind of thing. So really good stuff. All right, Maddie, what are we going to talk about on our way out this week? are we going to talk about well i'll tell you what we are starting our trash talking segment so if you will tweet at us trash talk for whatever team you're playing this week whoever has the best trash talk that they tweet at us for we'll read it on the show at the end of the show going forward for the rest of the season and my only request pg-13 you could be as awful as you want to obviously no no bad stuff. Like, you know, like if you don't, if you wouldn't say it in church, don't, don't send it to me, but okay. Maybe that's not a good analogy either, but you know what I'm talking about. Don't be good people, but bring your trash talk. You know, you like, wouldn't want your grandma to read it. Then yeah, you wouldn't realize. want your grandma to necessarily read it. That's what we're talking about. And I will read it at the end of the show every week uh, for the rest of the season going forward. A lot of fun there. All right, Maddie. So I guess we need to play some music and get the heck out of here. What do you say? Sounds good. I mean, I guess we could trash talk whatever person wrote that article about calling Anthony Black classless. They just Ooh. need to grow some thick skin. You read it. This is your week to trash talk. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. Bring that trash I talk. I didn't even read it. My mom was reading it to me and I was just getting ticked in the seat while I was driving. Probably not like a good scenario for me because it probably distracted me a little bit. But just because, you know, they're having fun. They're playing a game. He did was at the point, it might have been when he got, like, pushed when he was trying to give the ball to the ref. Like, they knocked the ball out of his hand, pushed him, and then they got called for it, and the entire arena just, like, erupted in, like, boos and, like, chants against Anthony Black. Like, if he is making the crybaby face, that is the least of your worry like he could have gone off so i wouldn't say it's classless (laughs) i i will say i've seen a lot more worse things on a basketball court just be called tough and you know a a a mentally aggressive player you know like you know people get into people's heads all the time like you know that's all they're doing that's all they're doing you shake hands at the end of the game you can (laughs) it's warfare for 60 minutes like or 40 minutes on a basketball court just saying i'm with you there Totally get it. I'm okay with him being a villain in this league. That's okay. For 60, 40 minutes at a time, he can be 40 minutes of help for you. So please enjoy that. Uh, I think I got that on my t-shirt actually here. So, uh, nice. That's a hell. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe. the bad boy Detroit Pistons are like one of my favorite NBA teams. I know. So I'm fine with it. And this is what I'm talking about. This is like, you know, you got to bring some hard hitting stuff and like, yeah, I love physical basketball. Just Can we do. get some like Joker-esque like uniforms like the City Connect jerseys for the NBA? We'll just make them like villain themed for the Razorbacks. That'd be pretty cool. I'm just saying that's right. And picture the shape that you made. Oh damn it, I'm tired.
Just to give you a heads up, we are now part of Variety Sports Collegiate. Yeah, that's right. The Southern Boys Sports stuff has actually merged together with with the Variety Sports Network and has made their own little division called 
Variety Sports Collegiate. And if you check them out, you can check out a bunch of great stuff from college basketball, college football, all sorts of college sports around the area. And then also make sure you check out the Variety Sports Network in general. A lot of pro sports content on there, a lot of team individual stuff, a lot of betting stuff, all sorts of good stuff. So make sure that you check out everything when it comes to Variety Sports. And yeah, no, we're very happy that we made the merger. For right now, though, guys, enjoy the rest of the show.